0: The text for the message this morning is Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12, then the first part of, up till the first part of verse 18, that section under the advance of the gospel. If you'd like to, you can find that on page 980 in the Pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. And in that, I rejoice. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we read from Acts 16 two weeks ago to get an understanding of the background of the church in Philippi. And this morning we read Acts 28 that gives further background concerning the present situation of Paul while he was in Rome. Although he was under house arrest, we can read that he was able to receive visitors, even great groups of visitors, and he was still awaiting the verdict of his trial. This was constantly on the minds of the churches. We're wondering, could Paul's imprisonment mean the end of his his ministry? Did his his weakness prove that he did not have the true gospel? Could it be used against the church? And if God was protecting him, why were these bad things happening? One one thing after another. And how was Paul going to react to to other ministers who, as we read in verse 17, were thinking to inflict him in his imprisonment? They, They didn't seem to like Paul very much. Well, through Paul's inspired pastoral letter to the congregation in Philippi, The Holy Spirit teaches us today that the Lord Jesus Christ reveals his glory even in times of setbacks and disappointments, when our hands are tied and it looks like the enemies of the cross have won. And the great encouragement to us when we get disheartened by oppression or by fear in our own hearts or insincerity, is that Christ always reveals his glory. That is, the gospel I preach to you, that no matter what happens to us, the gospel advances wherever Christ is made known. We'll see the opportunity of oppression, the blessing of bravery, and the priority of preaching. Anyone who has tried to catch a tiger something maybe the children can imagine too. Try, imagine trying to, to catch a tiger and to put him in a cage. Well, if you, if you try to do that, you will quickly appreciate how powerful that tiger is. Even after you've succeeded to, to make the tiger appear to be under their control, the process of caging the tiger, it has a huge impact. You'll never forget that what, you, what you did. Well, in a similar way, anyone who had been in contact with Paul throughout the process of arresting and charging and then transferring him to Rome, they found that it, last, it left a lasting impression While they were in the process of trying to chain up and and bind the gospel, they came into contact with the gospel. The soldiers who took turns standing guard during his house arrest, they learned about Jesus Christ for whom Paul had been arrested and put into prison through them the message spread and you can read that in verse 13 through throughout the the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest and so Paul assures the church in verse 12 that what had happened to him in the past months it, it really served to advance the gospel those assigned to the task of trying to chain the gospel Through the imprisonment of one of the foremost missionaries, they were able to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the same gospel that their authorities were trying to squash. So we think about that. Were Paul's chains a good thing or a bad thing? Would there have been any other way to reach the imperial guard and all the rest with the gospel. Was his arrest, his imprisonment, and his trial a sign of weakness of Christ's church and the, and the powerlessness of the gospel as their hands were, were being tied? Or is it actually exactly the opposite? We praise God for the opportunities that he gives to his church through persecution, opposition, and all attempts to, to bind the gospel. Everyone who tries to chain the, the tiger of the gospel into submission comes into contact with it. When they came near, when they, when they come near, like the servants of Nebuchadnezzar who were stoking the furnace in which Daniel's friends were, were standing unhurt, when they come near, they can immediately feel the heat and they could see the light and the power of the truth and, and the glory of God that they are trying to contain. Like the guard standing beside the Lord Jesus on the cross and he cried out. We continue to see this today. Would we have the opportunity to speak about the reality of God, his perfect creation, his absolute supremacy over all governments the fall into sin the saving work of Jesus Christ the work of the spirit who who makes us want to love our neighbor as ourselves the constant or the covenant promises that parents make concerning their children the strength of our hope if the different lobby groups and the sympathetic governments had not decided that it was time to shut out Christians from the public sphere would we have had all these opportunities to speak of all this if they had not come to try contain the truth would you have just picked up the phone to share your faith with your MLA or your MP or minister in charge of of different portfolios of our government They had not come to try and shut us up. No wonder Paul calls it a a grace to share with him in his imprisonment and his opportunity to tell people about Christ. He says that in verse 7, we looked at that a little while ago. You see, often we try to to shut out the world, to mind our own business. while they have come to our door, albeit with, with chains in their hands, But now we have no choice but to tell them the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. To to manifest what true biblical love and the fruit of righteousness in Christ Jesus looks like. In many places Paul told us to imitate his example. We have a a similar situation. We want to imitate his example to, to interact correctly. So what example can we notice in verses 12 to to 13? Isn't it that everyone who came into contact with him found out that he was in his situation because of his faith in Jesus Christ? And we see it's quite simple then. the, The Holy Spirit shows us that just letting people know you are a Christian and that you do the things the way you do because you are a Christian or that you are being treated in a certain way for Christ's sake. That's a simple step that anyone can take that changes oppression into opportunity. In fact, we get eager to to find reasons to tell people we do this because we're Christians. Besides reaching those who are actively working to bind the gospel, such a simple testimony to the truth of the gospel can also teach those who are on your own side to love the gospel. You see the the blessing of bravery. You'll notice in verse 12, the verse starts off, I want you to know, brothers. And we ask, well, why did Paul want them to know about some of the positive outcomes of his imprisonment well it would appear that the Holy Spirit knows that in times when the church is weak and their hands are are tied and, and powerless when we're facing internal struggles opposition from the outside it is easy to become disheartened and so in these words we see the love and the concern of a pastor for the emotions and feelings of the congregation that has been entrusted to him and it's a a fitting point for today as well because also here today in Alberta and in the congregation of Emmanuel it's not hard to to feel disheartened we need a word of encouragement and what better word than the word of the imprisoned, optimistic apostle writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For besides the joy in knowing that many people who would have no chance to hear the gospel are now hearing the truth, there are further benefits to be seen among the brothers. He, He really points that out in verse 14. Though Satan may try to bind our hands with fear, the victorious king, Jesus Christ, blesses his church with increasing bravery. The apostle points to the ripple effect when a few members of Christ's body reach out to those around them. We can can picture it by imagining a hand on our body that's reaching out. And you'll notice that as, as the hand reaches out and as it extends, it draws other parts of the body with it in the same de- uh, direction. It draws the, the wrist and the arm and the shoulder and, and even some of the legs and the eyes all into that same direction. When the church learned about Paul's imprisonment and how he shared the gospel through the whole thing, it was like that hand reaching out and and it had effects on the whole body it emboldened the body to also follow his example to speak the word without fear and then we see how important missionary reporting is and how important those newsletters we receive in in the church mailboxes concerning activities all over the world really are they're not to be thrown in the recycling they're they're, they're there to be read and to be studied. It's the the hand. It's showing where the hand is going. And drive. the reports also bring us along. They're not just the purpose of, they don't just serve the purpose of assuring supporters of the value of their donations, nor are they given to you just to seek further donations, but they are important tools in the hand of the Holy Spirit to glorify the work of Jesus Christ to comfort the concerned, to encourage every one of us in our task and calling to share the gospel with our neighbors. Indeed, as we read here, not everyone, it says most of the brothers, not everyone paid attention or felt more courage, but Paul says that most did. We don't know why some brothers didn't become confident from Paul's imprisonment and didn't become more bold to speak the word without fear. But in any case, the Holy Spirit makes it clear that such a response would be a positive thing. In Paul's words, we see what the Holy Spirit is is valuing and praising in the life of Christians. He praises them for knowing about Paul's imprisonment, for being aware what was happening to their brothers in other places in the world. So he instructs us to continue to be engaged in in all the different activities of the church throughout the world. If you read and, and study the reports from our own missionaries, from other organizations, you can see how God is using all the different circumstances to serve the advance of the gospel. And as we hear, as we read about that hand reaching out, well, as part of the the worldwide, the universal church of Christ, we are drawn to, to reach outward as well. And the Holy Spirit praises this as well. In verse 14, he praises their confidence in the Lord. Knowledge of God's amazing work gives us confidence about what we believe. Then we we come to see exactly how powerful our risen Lord Jesus Christ and, and how mightily he is gathering his church from all corners of the world. This confidence in the Lord is a rich blessing from the Holy Spirit, it it changes our hearts and, and makes us eager to see his work in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities as well, in the city of Edmonton. And then in our text today, we see that the Holy Spirit considers this bravery and this boldness in speaking the word without fear to be a good thing. When Jesus is on our side and his Holy Spirit, that's God himself, is working through us, we do not need to be afraid of the consequences. Now, I think that we've all had it happen that after leaving a conversation with someone who is not a Christian, we we kick ourselves for not just speaking the truth in love about what we believe. Well, it's a comfort to know that such fear is not something new. It's experienced also by the missional churches in in Paul's days. But it is also good to constantly pray for confidence in the Lord. That's the, the blessing of the Spirit. We can remember the words of Hebrews 13, verses 5 to 6, 5b. The Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In our text today, the Holy Spirit praises the church for having become confident in the Lord, even when they felt fear in their own hearts. The eternal King, Jesus Christ, is on our side he has given us the Holy Spirit to to guide us and so the Holy Spirit tells us in 1st Peter 3 verses 14 and 15 have no fear of them nor be troubled but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet Do it with gentleness and respect. You see, brothers and sisters, there were many good, solid reasons to become disheartened. And there continue to be many reasons for concern when we look to the present state, the possible future of the church. And that is why the the Holy Spirit's optimism really hits us We find it very encouraging, although we tend to get down quickly and so even undermine the work of the Lord, or maybe say it better to undersee the work of the Lord by focusing on the negative things that are happening around us. When we lift up our eyes to the Lord, our confidence is in the Lord and Savior, it also helps to lift up our hearts and our spirits Without denying the realities that are so tough, the Holy Spirit urges us to focus on the positive things. And perhaps this is most clearly displayed in verses 15 to 18. Because in addition to the attacks from outside the church, the resultant fear from within the church, there were also threats to the message of the gospel that resided in the very hearts of some of the preachers. Philippians 1 verses 15 to 18 tells us of some who were preaching Christ without fear, that's verse 14, but from envy and rivalry rather than from goodwill. Although some were preaching Christ out of love, others were preaching Christ out of Selfish ambition, we read, not sincerely, thinking to afflict Paul in his imprisonment. Now in dealing with those who were preaching in pretense, the Holy Spirit really focuses on the word that they were preaching. What were they saying? And we need to understand that these were not false teachers who came with a different gospel. Not, not the men you read about in Galatians 1, verse 6 to 9, that Paul says, accursed be those teachers. Although they had issues with envy in their own hearts, the people who heard these men preach, they heard the same message that Paul was preaching concerning grace, concerning sacraments, concerning worship, and concerning the Christian moral life. And although it is not stated explicitly, since example of life is part of the proclamation of the gospel, we can even presume that these men loved their congregations. They were preachers who who served their people humbly as bold leaders. However, they were different from those who were preaching from goodwill because in their hearts they were envious of Paul, of the man who was put in their lives for the defense of the gospel. You see that in verse 16. They resented the apostle's special position. They were envious of his fame and how he had been singled out as a prisoner for the gospel. He was one who could write to the churches. Perhaps they even felt that their positions their honor was being undermined by all the attention that Paul was receiving and even claiming as his apostolic right. their humble lives the truth of Christ that they they preached was not in the end then for the the glory of God first of all they were they were preaching the truth but looking to themselves and, and comparing it was focused then on, self-promotion how can I preach in a way that draws more attention to myself trying to make a name for themselves outside from out of the shadow of the great apostle if the believers had heard maybe heard some of these other preachers talking bad about Paul or undermining his divine calling or the value of the Apostle in the churches at that time, just sitting there in prison, getting all this support from the churches, and, and he's just sitting there. He's not even out there like we are preaching. Well, if the, if, if the people in Philippi heard this, they, had, they were right to be worried. They would have brought that to Paul's attention. And Paul was right to address the concern. And so in these few verses of Scripture, we, we, we see... The Holy Spirit is exposing the darker side of Christian conduct. The constant temptation to determine our worth based on how well we are known, the prestigiousness of our own name, rather than on our faithfulness to our own office and calling before God. The root sin of pride that is made worse by comparison with others is illustrated many times in our lives we can go wow this is crazy how can those preachers be like that but think about your own life what's the first thing we think when someone comes up to you and tells you that your classmate or your colleague or some other mother some other mum did something great did you hear what so-and-so did what's our what's our reaction isn't it often Well, I could have done that or perhaps are you saying that I'm not doing great things or maybe I don't think it's very appropriate for moms or colleagues or classmates to be doing great things like that I mean what is she thinking we put it down you see it is hard to be in the shadow of exemplary classmates, of famous colleagues who get promoted ahead of ourselves, and mothers who are known for their great deeds. The Holy Spirit knows this difficulty. You can even see it happen in between two faithful churches in the same city, as was probably the very situation that Paul was seeing among the churches that he had planted in Rome. you see it's not far from any one of us to resent good work that is being done by ordained servants or or members of a committee just because it's different than the way that we would do it it's not far from any of us to resent the person who stood up in Bible study and said the very thing we were gonna say well not as clearly as you were gonna say it, but th- th- that's what I was gonna say, and we resent that truth. You are not immune to envy, to rivalry, to selfish ambition, and neither are preachers of the gospel. So, why does the Holy Spirit draw our attention to the good possibility? of insincerity and pretense among fellow preachers and co-servants in the kingdom. Men who were trying to draw attention to themselves and then inflict greater suffering on another. Well, the first thing that we learn is that it's never wise to mix up faith in God with faith in God's messengers let it be the gospel message that convinces you and not the man because I can guarantee you that the messenger will fail you he will disappoint you if you could ever see inside his heart and Paul's inspired words to the Philippians remind us that every preacher and every pastor is just a weak vessel, a jar of clay, a servant or minister of the word, and nothing more. His opinions don't matter. His personal endorsements to give weight do not give weight to your cause. It's not helpful to focus too much attention on public opinion and personal prestige by, rate, uh, by raising up one appointment over another. Well, that guy's a doctor, or that guy is a, an author, or that guy is a pastor of a of a little congregation in another country. It doesn't help. It doesn't help to compare character differences between people. Because it ends up putting more attention on personal status and prestige rather than on faithfulness in the preaching. Paul says. The preaching has priority. And at the end of the day, as Paul also recognized for himself, we'll see that more next week, ministers, sincere or not, are dispensable. And the only thing that matters is that the gospel is preached to the world, that Christ's name, his kingdom, continues to advance. And so Paul's words help us to focus on the gospel to focus on the end goal rather than, a, than as, see the gospel as a means to be used for our own selfish ends. And so this, in this way the Holy Spirit again, he lifts the conversation. He lifts the conversation above the pettiness of personalities and prestige. And he helps us to rejoice Whenever the gospel of salvation by grace alone in Jesus Christ is being preached, he helps us to rejoice when our colleagues are doing great things, when when other mothers are, are giving themselves to the kingdom, when our classmates are exemplary. If your faithfulness to God, if your faithfulness to God is ever being ignored because you are in the shadow of someone else who is doing great work in, in another area or if people are resenting you for being placed in the spotlight by God as Paul had the solution is the same rejoice that the gospel is being preached the Holy Spirit commends those who were preaching from goodwill. Out of love. Those who knew that Paul had been ordained by God for a specific reason for the defense of the gospel. He commends their humility. He commends their rejoicing and the faithfulness of others instead of bitterness and envy. That's really just selfish ambition. And Paul's conclusion in verse 18, it's it's instructional. We can ask ourselves that many times. We could say the same thing many times in our lives. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. God uses all sorts of personalities with all sorts of baggage from all sorts of cultures and historical backgrounds to reveal His glory because Christ's glory is, is above mere instruments. And we can rejoice that even weak vessels can serve the kingdom of God. They can praise him in times of oppression. Just telling people why you're a Christian. In terms of times of persecution, we do not need to be afraid. And in times of pretense, we know the gospel will advance wherever Christ is made known. What a blessing to live knowing that God is sovereign. And although he uses weak men and women, he is the one gathering his church to be with him in eternal glory. Amen.